Hi, this is Ophelia. Hi, this is Estress. And welcome to the show, to our episode that, uh, once again, I have no idea which number we're at. We are episode seven. Seven! Mm-hmm. Yay. And we have a very special guest with us this show. We do. Um, from the blog called Just My Two Copper, this is Marco. Hi, Marco. Hi, how you doing? I am good. How about yourself? Doing wonderful. I had a wedding this weekend, had a bunch of fun, and now I'm kind of crashing. Yeah, it sounds like you had a really busy weekend. Like, I know when we were trying to schedule you, it seemed like you had a lot going on this weekend. Did it all go the way you wanted it to? Uh, well, one podcast didn't happen. So all the all the business stuff did not work out, but all the familial stuff worked. So that's what matters. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, the reason why we decided to have Marco on the show is because the theme of the show, we're going to be talking about gold and even to a certain extent money, real life currency. And we really wanted somebody who specialized in that kind of thing. And we really felt like out of all the candidates that we knew and all the other bloggers that we knew that he was the best choice for that. So he's going to be on the show with us today um, talking about all things gold. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some news that happened in the game. Um, we're going to talk about uh, some tips that Marco has for how to make money in the game with various professions or just how to become rich in general. Um, we're going to talk about the differences between people who have gold and who don't have gold and if there's any feelings about that. Um, and then lastly, Marco has a side project that he works on where he's going to talk about um, how to increase uh, traffic to your blog if you even want to make money off of your blog and things like that. Um, or if you have a blog but you really don't feel like enough people are seeing it, um, he's going to teach you how to bring more people to your blog, which I'm sure many of you can relate to. Um, So the first thing I think we should talk about is um, some news that's been going on in the game and maybe what we've been up to. Um, There were two big things that happened this week. Um, The first big headline had to do with Diablo 3. Diablo 3 has been something that has been rumored to be coming out for a long time and people have been getting like little grains of information but really nothing big that they could chew on and there was some news this week that Diablo 3 is going to have two different auction houses, at least that I understand. Um, One of them is going to be basic, you know, in-game currency like gold or you know whatever they use in Diablo because I've never played it before um, but there's also going to be a new auction house that's going to be solely in game current or out, out of game currency like real life money um, where you can sell your items for real money and you can also buy them for real money um, and as expected this got a lot of feedback and a lot of people posted about it um, what did you two think about it did you two hear about it absolutely the day I heard about it I started a brand new blog. It's a little baby blog um, called Diablo3GoldGuide.net, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm posting like crazy on that thing. I'm so in love with this idea. And you mentioned that you get money. Uh, what it, the way it works is now this is all this is all subject to change. Uh, hopefully it doesn't change by the time they hear this. Mm-hmm. But they basically you can choose if the money is going to go to a Blizzard account to pay for things like World of Warcraft or whatever new games from Blizzard subscriptions, what have you, or you can send it directly through some third party to a bank account and they charge you like a fee for it. Mm-hmm. So you and, and the post on the auction house is going to be a fee, just like you have for WoW. You know, you post an auction and you lose a little bit of gold for posting and then you get it back. Mm-hmm. They'll have that. And there'll be a fee just for making the sale. So you have three fees that you have to go through. So it's not as easy as people are making it sound. You know, there's going to be a, a lot of competition. It's going to be really hard to make consistent income. But I think for the casual gamer, it's going to be a real blessing. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, what did you think about it when you first heard? Yeah, it sounds like Blizzard's going to be making a lot of money. 
<laughs> That's just really my thought that they they're going to make so much money from that. See, I was actually thinking something different. I was sort of along the lines of Marco, where it all sounds like really trivial amounts. Like maybe they'll add up to something really big. Yeah, like- yeah, maybe a little bit. But you know, if Diablo takes off the way WoW does, if they have you know, 11 million people paying little fees all the time, you know, they're going to be yeah, it's a good idea on their part. Yeah, and I'm not familiar with the Diablo franchise. Like, I was never a fan of the two previous games, and I'm under the impression, like, I, I believe somebody said that this wasn't the first time they've done something like this, and um, then the question came up of whether it would go to WoW or if it would go to other games, and, um, you know, I, I, I it, it was getting a lot of fuss. Like, I know people were really up in arms about it, and people were going to really crazy extremes. Like, people were bringing up, you know, the possibility of money laundering and, you know, kids earning regular incomes, and I know the examples that I saw, people, they're only paying like $5 for an item. And I think one of the developers even said, too, that items don't drop the way they do in WoW. Like, we get greens kind of thrown at us or, you know, we raid enough and you get your purples. And it just wouldn't be like that, where the number of items dropping wouldn't be that numerous, where you could make some sort of income. Like, to me, it just seems like it would be peanuts, unless I'm seeing it wrong. No, yeah, you don't get anywhere near as much loot in Diablo, at least in the previous games. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it seemed, I'm oh, sorry. And then it just seemed like there were other issues where, you know, people were bringing up, you know, taxes, and then there was something about, I guess, your personal information, like you would have to register with your name, and people were just taking it in really different directions that I didn't think of. Um, so I was very surprised to read that. Um, yeah, I don't well, know. Keep, but in the- mind, keep in mind that they're attacking this too, because if you take this aspect out of the game, it doesn't need to be constantly online. You know, people wanted their single-player game, and by adding this auction house, yeah, you can have co-op and whatnot, but you don't need to be online 24-7 for the single-player unless, of course, they need to monitor you to make sure you're not cheating. Mm-hmm. And somebody brought up also, too, that this was meant to combat gold farming and combat people that are selling gold for a living. Do you guys think it's going to do that, or do you think it's going to make it worse or not even change it? Oh, I I think it's going to – it's not going to be as bad as they're making it sound. I think farmers will exist. But there's going to be a single auction house per currency. Mm-hmm. So for a dollar bill, the dollars that you spend, there's only one auction house for all the people uh, in the Americas or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so you're not you're going to have all these uh, gold farmers, which will run the price of gold down. But unlike in previous games, there's that minimal fee that you have to pay for transferring the money. So if they're doing their gold the way they've done it in the past, they're not going to make money. They're going to lose money because they'll run it into the ground. Mm-hmm. But I don't think farming is going to be the same. Gold, gold farmers are going to have to adapt if they're going to make money with this game. It's not like not like WoW at all. Mm-hmm. Well, that was something else I was curious about is how is that going? I mean, and you brought up a really good point that you can choose to use the, the in-game auction house. You know, if that's something you'd rather not be involved with, you don't have to be. Um, so they are giving people a choice, which sounds like it's really good because um, there have been some recent decisions. Like I know they made it where you can um, – There's the um, I know the authenticator issue was something people didn't get a choice on, and they weren't very happy about that. And then they ended up going back on it. So I think as long as we have a choice, people will like it. Um, the other thing that just came to me is how is it going to work with like EU servers or like oceanic servers? Like, are they still going to be in dollar currencies or how do you think? No, they're they'll have that? their own thing. That's that's why I said it's based on currency because I'm sure there's going to be a euro. Uh-huh. It'll be a different one. And something I was thinking about, I guess we can get into it later in the program. But think about like cross currency trading and stuff. You know, right. multiple auction houses with multiple accounts. It could get pretty crazy. 
Mm-hmm. And you also, know, just, even within North America, I'm just thinking, you know, Canadians and Americans, and uh, I think, well, at least with WoW, we had the Latin servers on there too. That's still a couple of different currencies in different countries. Right, and then there's also the exchange rates of how some, you know, you get more out of maybe a dollar than you would a euro. Yeah, like, and, mm-hmm. and some days, some days it's worth more or less. Yeah. <laughs> well, so basically, yeah. if you're living in Brazil, you're going to want to be on the U.S. server. Because mm-hmm. you're going to want the dollar because it's worth more in your country. Mm-hmm. That's going to dictate where people want to farm and stuff. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it really plays out. Um, it seems, and it's still being sorted out too. Like I believe Diablo hasn't even hit the beta yet. Um, so it's something that could change altogether, or it could end up even going down the route of like the dance studios, where it was something that was supposed to be a big expected feature that just never happened. Um, so we don't really know. So I think, um, I think it's great that it's, it's firing discussion now, but I, I think more discussion should happen once we know it's actually going to come. I tell you what, I don't think Blizzard has has been happy with the money they made from StarCraft 2. I think that's why they're going towards those apps, you know, like the app store, you sell maps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're moving towards that because they're just not happy with the revenue. That's what that says to me. And I right. think they're just trying to find some way to make more money off these single purchase products. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that Blizzard might not be happy about, um, which was another big headline this week, and we sort of touched it on it on a previous podcast, was um, Blizzard released their second quarterly report for 2011, um, and they made a lot of money with the Scenarian Hatchling pet, which I can't, I don't really think they made it. I believe they gave it all away, but it did come in briefly. Um, they were very proud of that number and the increased revenue, but at the same time, they also lost an additional 300,000 subscribers. Um, this is in addition to the 600,000 that they lost with the first quarterly report findings that we had talked about, I think, on our episode with Cody, and we talked about business standards and such. So they're now down about 900,000 people since Cataclysm came out, which is probably going to translate to a loss of revenue. Um, what did you guys think of that news? Were you surprised? Definitely surprised, but in some sense not, uh, because the game has become so casual. You know, what, one of the reasons I, I, I actually ended up quitting the game, uh, although I'm still very much involved in the WoW community, and obviously I manage a blog and a guide, I did end up leaving the game right after 4.1 hit, because all my friends quit, it wasn't fun anymore, it was just too easy to play the game, and they're taking the challenge out of it. I know they have heroic modes and whatnot, but just I feel like the challenge of the game is not there. It's either you're super easy or you're super hard. There's mm-hmm. no middle of the road for WoW right now, and I think you're seeing a hit from that. Yeah, but wouldn't making it more casual actually, shouldn't, wouldn't that increase their numbers? Yeah, it would make them lose the more serious players, but they do gain you Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Average Joe who uh, doesn't want to put a whole lot of effort into their video games. Yeah, but how long until that person quits? Gets you tired. Know, think, that's that's I, a good point. I right. think the more intense players, the people who bring guilds and groups of people to the game, play for the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, and they were actually asking this last night. I know the guys at Raid Warning were throwing together their live cast and they were asking people on Twitter to tweet, you know, in 140 characters why they think the subscribers were lost. And, you know, and some people had really good reasons and others, you know, and then some people were attributing it to maybe, you know, spin, like how exactly, you know, what those numbers really mean. Like maybe it means that all the referrer friends had, you know, stopped or whatever, or maybe they were all trial accounts or things of that nature. Like we don't really know the semantics behind 
behind that number. So it, it could be anything. It may not be as gloomy as they were making it seem. Um, they still have 11 million subscribers, so they're not really going anywhere. Their hold is still pretty firm. Um, but I think it does show something. And, and like we said before, we don't really know what that something is. But I think if you were to entirely disregard it, you'd be a little foolish to do that. But at the same time, we don't want to say the death of WoW because they're still going quite strong. Um, but it does make you take notice. I know I've yeah. cut back my playtime quite a well, bit as well. It's also a fairly old game. And right. if you've been playing it, even if you've, oh, you only started halfway through, you've still been playing it for three years, eventually people are going to want to move on. Right. The thing I think that's is stopping, I think we also mentioned this before too, is they're, they're not really bringing in new players. Like it's attrition like this wouldn't normally be so bad if the numbers were sort of going up and down. If you were looking at a chart and you were seeing that zigzagging arrow of 300,000, but they gained 170,000 and then they lost 50,000, but they gained 25. They're not doing that. It's just consistent. The arrow's just going down. Um, and I think part of it, like I've had friends who've wanted to play with me. Like they've, they've thought about joining World of Warcraft, but because it's so a Established, it's almost like a game of double dutch. They don't really know where to jump in. Yeah, it's and, a little intimidating. Right, you know, and they see everybody at 80, everybody, especially with the lingo, when you say things like, oh, I've killed Baj before, and you have these new people going, what, what's a Baj? I don't, and they just don't know how to relate. And um, it's just a weird time. And most of the people who are still playing the game are the veterans. Um, they're just not doing a really good job of bringing in new, new people. Um, don't forget that they changed the game in order to try and make it more uh, newbie-friendly. They changed all the starting areas. They gave you way more abilities. And unfortunately, people are coming from other games where, where the games are a little less um, rewarding. They're a little more challenging. And people are just walking around like, okay, so I walk up to this guy and I right-click him and he dies. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm one-shotting <laughs> And I don't think people like that. I think the majority of RPG players um, think WoW is a joke. They think mm -hmm. it's just too easy. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that. And that's why, I mean, that kind of turned me off from leveling, too, is I have alts that I really would like to level, but it's too, it goes by too fast. You know, your quests are gray before you even realize it. Um, most of the issues I've had were on the rating side of things. Like, I just feel like rating's not what it used to be. Um, and I feel like what people are doing right now that they call rating is not rating to me. Like, I remember, and I always feel like that old lady on the porch with the cane, and, you know, I, I just, I think it's just kind of, I think it's just turned into something I don't want to, I don't enjoy anymore and I, I think it's Give funny right <laughs> yeah so I just I miss a lot of things in the past and I, I don't really enjoy a lot of things that are going on right now so um, so wow news aside Marco why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself I know you said sort of what you're doing right now but how did you get started with making gold how did you decide that this was a passion of yours and um, and you know why did you how have you you're still talking about it now even after you don't play the game anymore um, tell us a little bit about your history well I'd say the root of it all is um, actually I did a podcast very early on uh, and there weren't a lot of gold blogs out there there was maybe one or two uh, besides me, and I went on with the How I Wow podcast, and they were doing this conversation with me. We talked for two hours, and at the end of it, they were just like, I get you now. The gold is not your goal. You know, that's not why you play the game. You play the game because you want to be successful, and they hit the nail on the head, and I didn't even realize it at the time, but what I've come to realize is that everything I do in this game and outside the game, I always try to better myself. And I'm not playing against other people. I'm only playing against myself. You know, that goal count went up as I, as I gathered 2.1 million gold. It, 
it didn't matter. The number didn't matter to me. So that, that being said, that's the kind of person I am. And that's why I was able to build um, a website that has features 6 million page views. I mean, it's crazy when I think about it. Uh, over time, I built a guide. It's helped over 6,000 people. I have a gold forums, which is always getting hit by spammers. I hate that. Um, <laughs> 8,500 members. Um, and then obviously I love to have fun in this game. You know, over time I was able to master the arena and, uh, my 2v2 partner and I, Thunderion, we were at one point the number one, uh, prop warrior team in the world. Uh, we were at 2550 for a few months. Uh, and we ended up, we did end up getting Gladiator in season six. So all around it's been a wonderful three years. Met a lot of great people and I feel like the Just My Two Copper community has really been just that, a, a community more than just a block. So just to bring it back a little bit, so how did you stumble into the gold farmings? I would imagine, like you said, that you were doing other things, that you were PvPing, possibly even PvEing, um, you know, but most people, for most people, that's enough, or for most people, that's why they log on, and some people are really social and they log on for that reason. Um, you don't hear too many people find the AH as their passion or, or find that game as their passion. So how did you know that that was something you enjoyed doing and that you wanted to sort of make a, a career out of it or a blog? career out of it? Well, I was on my 300th lap around Ogamar, and uh, <laughs> I decided it was time to go into that little building to the right um, of the bank, and mm-hmm. I found the auction house. No, no. Uh, honestly, while I was leveling the first time through, didn't really have a lot of friends that played the game. I was just trying it out. You know, some guy on another server recommended it to me, and I tried it. Uh, and I was I put an axe up, and it sold for like 42 gold, and I'm like, this is great. You know, some rare blue. Um, blood splitter or something. And I thought this is so much fun. And then I finally hit 60 and uh, I started playing the auction house. And it was really out of boredom because I was never really into raiding. I always found it exceptionally boring and I basically did it just to get PvP gear. And so when I wasn't PvPing, I was bored out of my mind. Uh-huh. And I wasn't on a very large server and there weren't a lot of alliance to kill. And I love killing alliance. I love camping near cities. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Oakley. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I I don't mind PvP. It makes life interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, something one of my friends did on the Alliance side, they used to do this all the time. Uh, I think if you look up Marco vs. Ironforge on YouTube, you'll see a bunch of priests mind-controlling and healing me so I can kill all their friends. Oh, but wow. uh, honestly, it was out of boredom, and I just started playing the auction house, and I never took an economics course or anything like that, but I started to see... Um, that how the professions interacted with each other. I started to get uh, a better knowledge of the game, watching the things that people bought. And it just became uh, like a side thing for me, and eventually it became the full game as PvP and PvE started to die for me. Uh, and that's pretty much all I did the last couple of months that I played was play the auction house. So you were literally logging on just to put up auctions, just to collect money, just to check mail, that that's all you were doing at one point? Yeah, it basically becomes a job if you go into it full time. It's it's insane. I mean, you're going through just you need add-ons. You can't survive without add-ons. But you're going through thousands of mail and you're buying up every item that you can. And just insane, especially professions that modify things like milling or prospecting. You sit there watching TV for an hour, clicking that button. It's insane. Have you noticed, I mean, it sounds like you've been playing as long as Ophelia and I have, have you noticed that the, the business has changed through the years and that it's either easier or harder to make gold than it was before? It is far, far easier. Really? Um, Why would you say yeah, that? Even for farming, it's it just the game has changed and everything. You know how there's been a, a homogenization of classes? Mm-hmm. There's There's also been a homogenization of class professions. 
Mm-hmm. And I say that meaning that a lot of professions have gotten the the daily quests. They've gotten the modification of an item. They, they just a lot of different ways to make gold for every profession. And especially on a smaller server, you just have so many opportunities to make a ton of gold because they've just given you all these different items that people need. And now you can craft the latest PvP starter gear every season. It wasn't always like that. In Wrath of the Lich King, you got that one set, and it was only good the first time. And then every other uh, patch after that, every other arena season after that in Wrath of the Lich King, that set sucked. Nobody bought it. Everybody just disenchanted it. No, so just, wait a minute. I've never had a crafting profession before like that. So you're saying that with either tailoring or blacksmithing, like I know, I know, I know what you're talking about with wrath that you can make. Like they gave you this really like starter PvP gear that was a set of blues if you wanted to. Are you saying that they've changed it now where you can you you now get subsequent recipes as the year goes on? That's what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Wow. That was one of the selling points for the crafting professions in Cataclysm. Hopefully, did you know this? Do you rephrase that again? You're um, supposed to be getting new recipes over time for the yeah. new arena seasons in Cataclysm. Oh, for the arena? No, I didn't know about arena. I know we're getting, we always get new PVE recipes. But yeah, you're supposed I to am. get those too. Yeah, the wow. PVE recipes I knew about, but I didn't know about the PVP recipes. Yeah, I didn't either. And apparently he's saying that they're supposed to be giving you, like, every season you'll be able to craft, like, a previous season's gear a couple seasons before. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know that. It, have they installed that? I haven't noticed it at all. Should be in there soon if it's not in there yet. Yeah. It should be should be one season behind. Okay. Jesus. Yeah, I had no idea. I don't, I'm an, I've always been an alchemist, alchemist herbalist. And I, you're a blacksmith, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a blacksmith. Okay. And I, I collect huh. recipes I can, but no, I hadn't heard of that at all. Wow. Well, I'll go, I'll go hang out with the PvP vendors. I, I haven't, vis- <laughs> I don't visit them very often. I haven't PvP'd this expansion, so that might be why. How do you guys play the game? I couldn't play without PvP. Uh, I used to PvP, and I pay, I PvP once in a while, but right now I'm just, you know, I, I get like, you know, six hours a week to log into the game, and so all I do is, and I'm a raider, so I log in, I raid, I do my dailies, I log off. Yeah, I was always a PvE or two, PvP, and very little interest in. I dated the gladiator for a while. I got in because of him. It didn't really keep my attention. So we did a PvP podcast episode. We did. We did one with Sinwise, and it turned out really, really well. Um, so that's crazy. Yeah, so I, you... I, I like PvP. It's just I think I it. I could have gone either way, either the PvE or the PvP, but it just happened that PvE was in front of me. But I, maybe if I'd been exposed to PvP first, I would have gone down that route. Right. Well, so let me expose you to the auction house. And then those <laughs> well, I, I do play the auction house. So you're <laughs> saying, Marco, that the PvP gear is nets you money then? These new recipes have made it easier? Yeah, I definitely think they made it easier. I also feel like there's been an inflation of gold. I feel yeah. like people have way more to spend. Uh, yeah, and so the, you can charge the, more. Yeah, for that. the inflation is 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 pretty uh pretty blatant. Okay, so just I to remember, be honest, you remember about... during um, Vanilla WoW where one gold was a big deal, and mm-hmm. uh, you know when you're leveling, oh, I can't wait to have one gold. And now it's you know, if I if I'm below a thousand gold, I, I'm broke. 
See, it's funny that you mentioned that because, and I, I'm part of the reason I wanted to do a gold bean podcast was I've never had a lot of gold in the game. Like I've never, I think right now I'm sitting at 6,000, maybe. I don't think I've ever had more than 10,000 at a time. And if I did, I spent it very quickly just to buy something. I've never come close to being able to afford a repair mammoth or anything like that. I actually didn't even get Epic Flying until Nax came out in Wrath. And that was only because they had the BOE Epic. So you could sell and get you know, tons of gold for. I've never had a lot of money in this game. And I've never, I've always been in awe of people that do because that's just never something I've been able to do. And I've never known how to do it or where to get started. And I've always, it always just seemed like it was so time consuming. And I I never knew how people had the time to do it and still do everything else. So I've always, you know, been in awe. What are your professions? Uh, I'm an alchemist and an herbalist right now. Okay. So what's your alchemy specialty? Uh, I believe I'm potion spec. All right, cool. So what, what potions do you use during your raid? Uh, actually, why she stopped raiding two weeks ago, I took a bit of a break. Um, but when I was, I was only using flasks. Like my mana was in such a good place where I was not really using any mana pots. Um, and then the flasks were provided by cauldrons, so I really didn't have to make any. I was. Well, yeah. if you want to do some fun stuff, you could, you could sell elixirs of giant growth. That's just always, that's silly and really, really easy money. Um, in fact, you can drink one of them, sit in the middle of town, and be like, "You guys want to be as big as me? Buy one of these potions." Uh, <laughs> that's really for any level, but and you can sell them for like ten to twenty gold piece. It's kind of stupid, uh, really? but the flasks are the flasks are definitely huge, and especially in this expansion with the with the new hardcore rating. Uh, and if you can switch your mastery and go flask spec, that'd be pretty good. It's no, really it's not hard. It's funny that you mentioned that because I remember I discovered a website called the Undermine Journal, I guess, mm-hmm. and I actually started checking that out. And that site led me to think that flasks weren't a good business because everybody can make cauldrons now, so there was no yep. need to really do that. Yeah, you can hit uh, PvP people with it, but uh, yeah, that is a serious problem. Uh, the smaller your server, the less likely you'll be able to sell a lot of flasks because mm-hmm. um, you won't have as many newer guilds and things like that, or smaller groups such as five mans that use flasks far out there um but yeah you have to time flasks correctly you need to sell them uh at the right time right as raids are starting and you got to get your posts in just as everybody else has tried flooding the market with their flasks it's not it's not like uh the rest of the auction house it's very much a time thing and you need to just get in there and get out right away and not post a ton of po- uh, not a ton of flasks sorry just post enough to get them all sold and then get out because otherwise it's a waste of your time if you look at prices, uh, you will see that they jump just during raid times, and then they go right back down to not being profitable. So you really have to get in and get out. It's not a uh, post-and-forget kind of auction. Yeah, see, that was something I never managed to get hip to. Like, I never understood that. And and I think the Undermine Journal even covers that. They've got all these mean, median, you know, things like that. And that was just something I never – it was like a foreign language to me. Like, I was that kind of person where I would <laughs> put – five of something up and 24 hours cool i'll come back in a day like <laughs> i was never i never understood all of that so maybe that's part of my problem oh you just try selling some elixirs of giant growth and have some fun with it Sell plenty. Well, this, it did seem like elixirs were doing well like i know potions of tolvir um you know like a temporary strength elixir you know volcanic potions were big things like that it seemed like were big sellers but again like you said if you caught it on the right time there were times where i would try to leap on board with that and i just i think i may have missed the mark a little bit yeah if you just ride the wave a bit smoke but then there were even smaller parts 
well, like I, you know, I didn't know if I should put them up one at a time, if I should put them up in groups of five, or if I should, you know, you know, little nuances like that. I never knew if it made a difference or not. Yeah, there's little things you can do. Like you can post one of the potion you want to sell for slightly more than it normally goes for, and then everybody's going to undercut you just as ratings going to start, and then you sneak in and you post all your stuff. So there's definitely like there's ways to game the market, but I don't recommend alchemy for for newbies because it's a lot about timing. Unless you get into some of the niche markets, such as Luxor and Giant Grove. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that some of the changes to PVE have affected the professions? Like I said, we mentioned the cauldrons and things of that nature. We also Definitely. mentioned the potions because people, you know, even health potions. You've got health stones. You've got people who can click the light well. Um, you know, you've got mana potions. Some classes don't even use that much mana. Um, you know, things like that. Um, do you feel that that's changed the game a little bit? Yeah, there's a lot of things have changed. I mean... You don't need the flasks and potions anywhere near as much as you used to, especially if you're not in hardcore rating. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't even need it. I mean, and now you have multiple people that can bloodlust, you have multiple people that can give you buffs. So they've really homogenized all the classes, and you can make... It's nice because you don't always need to have specific classes in your raid, but it also means that you really don't need the items that you used to for raiding. I, I feel that PvP has done more good than the PvE changes for making money in terms of what people are bringing into these battlegrounds and stuff. No, why do you say that? I think people are playing with consumables more in PvP settings. Mm-hmm. Well, even in, PV, even in PvE now, there's the justice points where you can buy you know, certain materials from justice points if you have an excess, which most of us do. Um, they've also had the disenchant feature where if you're doing you know, your seven heroics a week or <laughs> whatever you need to to Valor Point cap, or if you're just doing runs in general, you're bound to get some influx of enchanting mats where you don't have to buy them. I know Maelstrom Crystals were insane when Cata first came out, and I know oh, I, yeah. didn't get, I didn't get certain enchants because they were so expensive. And then you know, now I think they're down to what 100 gold maybe two like there's so many ways to get a maelstrom crystal and and it wasn't like that in the past you know you were having to pay for your abyss crystals or you know you had to pay for your flask and your flask didn't last for four hours if you weren't an out al- if you were an alchemist and um it seems like all of those things you know may have conspired to change the game well, a little with, bit uh, um, enchanting equipment it's always like that every expansion when you when it's new and shiny you know you don't disenchant purples. Yeah. <laughs> but after the twentieth time that this purple drops, you just kinda of roll your eyes at it. But, right. With every with every expansion in this game and a lot of patches, the beginning is all about the crafting professions. Because like you said, people aren't disenchanting those purples, they're selling them. They're creating those purples. Uh they're they're shipping them out to people right off the bat. Even the blue gear at the start of Cataclysm was just awesome to mm-hmm. sell, especially yeah. if you were a blacksmith. But then as time goes on it's not about being the crafter. It's about being the person who sells to the crafters. It's about flipping items that are posted for not enough and charging outrageous prices to these people who are trying to power level. And that's definitely something I recommend. As the expansion wanes, it's no longer about crafted items. It's about commodities. And that was also something I never understood was the pricing of it. You know, I, I, you know, and I assume that there are add-ons or mods for this that I don't know about, but I never know what to put my stuff up for. Like I look, I know I always, I'll search for an item and I'll see what other people are doing. And then it's kind of like, okay, now what? You know, <laughs> I don't know if I should go high, if I should go medium. I, I never, I look at it like taking a place and I've never been able to put my, my on my out. site. There's a, uh, if you Google it, there's 22 steps to auctioneer. You can try that if you want. And the auctioneer is the simplest easiest to use auction add-on there is nowadays. And it used to not be that way, but there are a lot of way more complicated tools out there that I try to also cover. But auctioneers 
definitely something you can do. Even if you're just doing vendor scans, where you're looking for items that are posted below the deposit value for a vendor that you could sell it for, I mean, that's easy, quick money. It's not going to make you a million dollars, but you can learn to use it through through running these scans and, and learning how Auctioneer works and what it's actually doing behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned that alchemy may not be so hot or it may be kind of touchy in terms of making consistent money. Um, are, are there any professions that you feel – I would like to think that everybody has a shot, especially with the homogenization. Um, would you disagree with that or would you say that some professions are going to net you far more money than others? Every profession can make gold. Absolutely. Even engineering can make a crap ton of gold. But okay. some of the professions are a little more touchy and it's definitely easier to make money with gathering professions because you're just picking it up and you're selling them. You might not be making the most optimal amount of gold because you're not modifying the things you're picking up and you might not be posting them correctly, but there's a lot more forgiveness to the newer poster who doesn't really understand it, doesn't really know how much to post for. You're still going to get something back. You know, whereas people who are crafting things or built, making potions and putting them up and nothing sells, they're losing money. You know, there's not that forgiveness. Yeah, it seems to me like the two most consistent ones that I've seen have been enchanting and jewel crafting. Like, there's always been a market for jewel crafting, and there always will be. And the same goes with enchanting. Like, I know, like you said, when expansions come out or tiers come out, I know a lot of people I knew were selling the scrolls because, you know, they were the daily. You could get epics from doing the dailies. People were going into Firelands and getting upgrades to their gear. That was a really good time to be selling enchants and enchanting mats. Um, and those are really the only two that I hear at least hear more of that are, are making money. I don't think I ever hear anybody say I'm a skinner and I'm rolling in it or I'm a, you know, I'm a blacksmith and I'm rolling in it. Yeah, what do, what do uh, you think of the crafting professions versus the gathering professions for making gold? So you guys are looking at it one profession at a time. And that's why you're saying, oh, I never hear someone who's a skinner and he's making all this money. Or I never hear someone who's a miner and he's making all this money. But what you're not seeing, I'm not trying to be insulting in any way, because mm-hmm. this is the way everybody starts off. You're not seeing, hey, what happens if I'm a jewel crafter and a blacksmith and an enchanter? Well, then I can take ore and I can prospect it. And I can take the mats to build necks. Or I can take the mats to build epic, or not epic gems yet, but I can build rare gems and I can make prisms or whatever they're called for the meta gems. Oh, and then I can also take and I can make things with jewel crafting and I can disenchant them and I can take the enchanting mats and I can make something with it. So you can do these, um, I call them shuffles, like mm-hmm. the obsidian shuffle, but you can take multiple professions and open these whole new doorways. Even if you're just doing something dumb like taking, um, ore and smelting it and then making a bunch of items with blacksmithing, you do like this triple step and it just opens up a new doorway for you. So it's no longer about, hey, can I make gold with this one profession? It's, hey, let me make a suite of characters with all these different professions and just dominate the auction house. So I would say if you're just trying to make money with one profession, I would rather you did scans on the auction house and flipped items than just tried to make money with a single profession because you're up against people who don't do that. Right. So it sounds like you're saying there's more of an advantage to sort of having, I know some people call them their factories. And um, yeah. I, I know people, I know in, I know before, I think it was people who they were tailoring and they would disenchant at the same time. So they would make a bunch of armor they didn't need. They would shard it and then they would sell the shards. And that was sort of what they were doing. But it sounds like you're saying that people are going even bigger, that they're not just having two professions. They're maybe having three, four, even five or more. And it sounds like you're saying that might be a better way to go. Well, and, and unfortunately, people are trying to do it with just one profession or two professions, and they're up against these people who can get their masks cheaper because they're making them themselves. 
um, and they get various procs if they have multiple alchemists. You know, if you have alchemy and you don't have a proc in what you're trying to sell, you're already at a huge disadvantage. You're not going to be able to make money. Because people say, oh, I'm looking at the price of the mats and I'm looking at the potion and it's it's selling for underpriced. Well, that's because they got procs. They can yeah, yeah. afford to sell it for a little bit less because it's not worth 100% for them. It's worth maybe 90 you know, so they can, they can undercut a little bit further than you can. You're sitting there going, how is that possible? So there's all these little things like that that you just, you can't compete against them. So I recommend for people that only have one or two professions that they go to simpler things, that they go even to pre-85 things, mm-hmm. which is creating items that people need when they level. And it's good to hear that each uh, profession sort of has an equal opportunity. And it sounds like if somebody were to come to you, Marco, and say, you know, I want to make gold, I'm having a really hard time, it sounds like you wouldn't say to them, you know, drop your herbalism or drop your engineering. It really sounds like you think people have a chance with every profession, if not all together, then, you know, one at a time. You want, And you honestly, don't, you don't need to go um, try and duplicate what people are doing with these factories. You can do far simpler things. Mm-hmm. And you can even do something stupid like make money without professions, such as going to a, a freaking vendor and buying items that people need and putting them on the auction house because they're too lazy to get them themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that dailies are a good source of income? Absolutely. In fact, um, actually, I made a note here because so I definitely wanted to mention this. You know, <laughs> you know the jewel crafting daily? I do, I've never had yeah. a jewel crafter before. I think mine, I think I couldn't get her any more than like 125. It was pretty Yeah, painful. I don't. I, mine's still low level too. <laughs> okay. Well, you don't need to be a jewel crafter to make money off all the other jewel crafters on your server. Mm-hmm. So what it is is it's random what quests they get each day. But there's three gems that they can use in their quest. Uh, I think it's blue. Oh, God. Uh, blue, red, and green, or blue, purple, and green. I can't remember, but you can look up the quest. Basically, jewel crafters have this daily quest where they can turn in gems, and they have to cut the gems. So they need raw gems. What you do is you go in the auction house, you buy them when they're cheaper, and then you sell them when the quest is that day, or even the next day, because people are late doing the quest, and you can sell them for as much as twice the normal price. So when it's not that day, you can pick them up cheap, and then when it is that day for the quest, you can put them up a little higher. So you don't need jewel crafting to take advantage of that stuff. And really, if you have all the professions or if you've experienced the game for years like like I have, you have an idea, a sense of what every single profession is looking for, especially when they're leveling. So like I was saying before, if you can pinpoint areas where people need large amounts of items, like, for instance, when you level your alchemy, I'm sure there was a point when you hit maybe uh, Outland Herbs or the end of Azeroth Herbs where you were like, crap, I have to go farm because I can't get enough. But you can pick spots where people need those items and farm the crap out of them or find them cheap and resell them and that kind of thing. Well, that might be part of my problem, too, is that in order to, you know, I, I'm really bad about farming. And, and in regards to what you were saying, where I was leveling alchemy or I needed herbs, I tended to buy them. Um, I really wasn't the type to go out and get them myself. So that could have been why I wasn't making any money either, was that I was spending more than I was taking in. Um, that might have been a possibility as well. Um, how do you feel about PVE dailies? Like if, if somebody wanted to make money and they really didn't have it in them to do the professions the way that you're suggesting, and let's say they just wanted to do their 20 is it 25 dailies a day you can do something like that? Yeah, 25. Right. Do you think there's money to be made in just doing that? Like if you went to Tolbarad, then you went to the Molten Front, and then you went to maybe Deep Home. Like is that a good way to get gold or no? If you want to go that route, I think it's a waste of time, personally. Okay. But you know that you're going to make money. It's kind of mm-hmm. like investing in the stock market. Like people would rather put money into their bank 
each day from their paycheck because they know the money is going to go there and they know it's not going to disappear. But if they play the market and they're not really used to it, they're going to fail. So what I suggest is do like 10 dailies. You know, make sure you've got money to cover your expenses for the day and then maybe spend that extra 30 minutes on the auction house learning it. And because the investment over the long period of time is way better. I mean, I can vouch for it. I started off just like that. You know, and over time, I got really good at the auction house. It became stupid for me to sit there and do dailies. It was a waste of my time in, in terms of your gold per hour. Right. So I do want to ask, since we're the Honest Podcast, hopefully how much gold do you have right now? Oh, well, I just made an elementium base thing. So <laughs> I'm at like 200 gold. Oh, but that's okay. because I just <laughs> bought, I just bought eight uh, true gold. Okay, I was just curious, and then I'm going to ask the obvious question, and I'm probably going to be horrified at the response. How much do you have right now, Marco? Well, I I stopped my account with 2.1 million in the bank. Jesus. However, however, who knows how much money was in my mailboxes? Because <laughs> I used my mailboxes like a second guild bank, and because I was constantly buying items and reselling them and shipping them around, I would say there was 200,000 in my mailboxes. So. Yeah, and I hate that when you don't log in for 30 days, you lose it. Yeah. <laughs> All your auction house money, just gone. Yeah, it's happened to me a few times. Hey, Jesus. if WoW gets the real-life auction house, I am creating an account again, or I'm, I'm re-establishing <laughs> my account so I can cash out. 2.1 million, that, oh my god, I don't, I've, I've never even had, like, oh god, like, I feel so <laughs> inadequate now, like, that's insane. No, um, don't feel inadequate, it's, it, think about it though, you, you would give up some of the fun of your other aspects of the game if you were to go through something like that. That was my goal, you know, that was my raid boss, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like I was able to do that and raid and PvP, you know. By the time I got to that point, I was no longer PvPing. It is kind of a meta game. So is it something you feel like you couldn't, you really couldn't do? Or like, let's say again, somebody came to you and somebody said, Marco, I raid four days a week and I'm poor. Like, help me out. Is that something you do feel that person would be at a disadvantage if they couldn't spend more of their time being focused on the larger meta game? Or do you feel that you could have it all and still be a raider or still be chasing Gladiator and, and still want to make a game of it? Could someone well, do that? I mean, I did that for okay. a time. Um, I think I made like, uh, a million and a half in wrath. <laughs> I love that he's so, so casual about yeah. it. He's like, it's just a million. Right now. Well, you have to understand, though, it becomes this system. It's just like playing PvP or PvE where you're you're fine-tuning it constantly. Mm-hmm. And then you don't think about it. It's like, all right, I made some money back. Let me throw that into my home. <laughs> and I'll just double. You know, like, oh, who cares? I'm just going to spend it anyway. You know? And that's the other thing. You don't, you don't realize it, but, like, someone who makes that much money, they're putting 90% of the money they earn back into the money they're trying to make. Sure. I know you said you wanted to talk about that, that like people think, um, what we, you wanted to say something about stigmas with people who have more gold than people who don't. Yeah, the only thing I just wanted to say was, I mean, I, I I think part of the problem that I've experienced is there is a general opinion that everybody has gold. Like, I know when I was making my loot listings for priests, um, and for a while now, they've added, like, BOE epics. You can buy with your valor points or your badges or whatever. And I know some people choose to put their badges elsewhere and just buy those particular epics. They don't even, you know, waste their time with that. And I know even with this expansion, I was talking about my bracers, and people were like, oh, just buy your bracers. They're only 16000 
thousand gold, and I was like, I don't even have a third of that. Like what? And you know, there's just an assumption. Or even if you're inspecting somebody, I know when epic gems become big, you know, some people can't necessarily afford them, so they do stay with the blues. Or when Maelstrom crystals were so expensive, you know, not everybody was using Power Torrent, and not everybody had Lava Walker to their shoes, or had Int to bracers, or the, the the best Int to chest. And but again, there's that assumption that everybody can afford these things, and not everybody can. Um, so it does seem like to me there is a minor slip between those who have tons of gold and have the repair mammoths and it's so trivial to them and those that you know could never accomplish such things. Well, I, I don't think it's that difficult to do it. The hardest part is getting over your fears, breaking your plateaus. You know, I like to call it plateauing what you're doing right now where you're always spending as much as you're taking in because you're basically, you're not making that much anyway. So you're saying, okay, I just saved up 300. I'm going to go buy that new enchant. Or a thousand or whatever, you know, I just, I got to that point so I could pay for my mount. You know, now I'm back down to zero. And that's, that's plateauing. That's, you're not making enough, first of all. So you're not putting up, maybe it's time, maybe it's understanding. Um, but you're not putting in the effort to get to that point where you can make enough to make more than what you're spending. Mm-hmm. So you either have to spend less or you have to put more time into learning. You know, that's, it's, it's not a catch 22 though. You have options. Right. Um, so we've already established that you're a millionaire. <laughs> Um, and one of the things that you brought to the table when we were sort of asking you what you may want to talk about with us is you had mentioned something called the five stages of being a wild millionaire. Um, what are those stages? Well, I can tell you you're on stage two. And I'm, okay. not, I'm not being mean. I'll, I'll explain <laughs> well, it to you. Well, it's better than stage one. That's true. Yes, That's true. Stage one okay. is right there. All right. So I, I wrote a post about this like a year ago, and it's still very true. You know, actually, I think I rewrote about it. I call it the five stages of being a gold addict. It's the same thing. Okay. Um, Stage one is basically you, you find items, okay, whether you're leveling or you're 85 or whatever, and you just kind of sell them on the auction house for whatever you're guessing. You know, you're totally guessing. You just put for the lowest competition price possible. You know, uh, maybe it makes sense at the time for you, but over time you're going to realize that that's not the price you should have sold it for. You know, you're really, you're getting ripped off almost. And then stage two is you're starting to learn that you can kind of like cancel and repost or you, you have this competition, but they're beatable. You know, there's ways around what they're doing to you. And basically, everyone can do this. Everyone understands that, like, someone who sells glyphs has to repost them over and over again because there's just so many people posting glyphs, and they're so cheap to post. You need to have some kind of pattern. Okay, so that's stage two. So you don't really have a sense of add-ons, though, in stage two. You're, you understand the auction house. You understand posting. You understand buy low, sell high. You don't got add-ons. Stage three is you start to investigate these add-ons. You start picking up unique gold-making methods, like, uh, for instance, the uh, potion that I mentioned to you, the, the growth potion, mm-hmm. elixir of giant growth. That's kind of like a unique thing that a lot of people don't do. Those are the kinds of things you start looking up. You start looking up in, in the blogs and stuff and talk about this, which is just might be copper. Now, most players adopt some kind of like rudimentary understanding of add-ons at this point but they're not always using them correctly. So they're just kind of dabbling in them. And they, a lot of people get frustrated here. A lot of people quit here. And they say, oh, I could just go do my dailies and I'd make my 210 gold or whatever, 1,000 gold. And not have to deal with <laughs> What did you say? That would be me. <laughs> That's basically where you're at. You're kind of at that fork in the road where oh, I'd rather just do that. Yeah. Stage four is... You understand markets, you understand cycles, and that's that's the hardest thing for people to start get a grasp of because they're always thinking about the now. They're always saying, I can sell my wool cloth right now for four gold. But they don't realize that during the weekend it's going to go for 20. So they don't wait. 
You know, they don't look, and that's what add-ons taught them in stage three. As they learn these add-ons, they start to see cycles. Now in stage four, they understand them. They also start to understand that they can buy massive amounts of underpriced materials, craft them and modify them, and make a decent amount of money. And this is where you can start getting more than two professions, start building a little factory. Stage five is where you've got all this down, you've got the add-ons, you've got your little factory going. Now it's just a matter of being consistent. you got to put the time in. You're not going to make a million gold just sitting on your butt 15 minutes a day. You're going to have to play probably half an hour to an hour a day to realistically make your money, especially with milling and prospecting and whatnot. You have to push that button while you're watching Seinfeld. Well, they're not on anymore. So watching reruns of Seinfeld. So those, those are the stage, <laughs> five stages of gold. And this is something that you really feel that anybody could do. Like you're pretty convinced that, you know, you could take most people and, and apply these steps to them and they could also earn a million gold. Absolutely. Okay. okay. I've literally built a business around it, which is insane. I'm teaching people how to make fake money. I mean, <laughs> come on. What do you do with that money? Or like, what do people do with it? Like at that point, you know, I'm assuming you already have your mech chopper. You probably, you know, you can maybe turn into a dragon and take people for rides at the vial of the sand. At that point, what are your money sinks? Like, what do you, is, does it all go back into the business or do you get any joy out of it or any enjoyment? So much money. And I mean, it took a lot of time to get it, but I loved when the next PVP season would come around. I'd be like, bam, got all my gems, got all my chance. They're just waiting for me to collect my gear. You know, it's like it's all ready to go. Because for PvP, PvP honestly forced me to become like a gold addict. Because I got, I, I just hated PvE. So I would use my money to just like compensate for the fact that I wasn't running raids. You know, again, all the gear I could buy. It wasn't the reason I started making gold, but it was a proponent for me going like one step further. So you mentioned that this is a business for you, um, and I know most people might know you from just my two copper, but you do have a side project, or you do have something else that you work on, um, and I know that you, I believe it's the trafficblogger.com? Yeah, and okay. I don't know why I put the in there. I think it's because Traffic Blogger already existed. <laughs> But yeah, I go, it oh, does distinguish you, so it makes sense. Um, but it does seem like you also have a thing going where you are trying to get people to be better bloggers. You're trying to get people to attract traffic a little more. Um, tell us more about that site and that project. Okay, well, you know, I had those five stages of gold. So I have three pillars of blogging. Maybe you notice a pattern where I like these numbers. Um, <laughs> it's driving traffic, developing relationships, and then building revenue, you know, building your streams of income. Okay. Well, I do want to stop you for a moment because I know most of the people listening, it's a, it's they blog casually. Like we really don't make any money from our sites and things of that nature. So, is there maybe a third one that you could, you know, change to apply to people like Ophelia and I or other people like that? Or well, think about it. What are you doing when you're blogging? Let's say you're making no money because there's nonprofits out there that are very successful. Um, there's people who just do it for the fun of it who are very successful. In reality, even if you're not making any money, you are selling yourself. You're putting yourself out there and saying, hey, listen to me, guys. I'm important. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, if you don't know how to sell yourself, that's not going to work. Okay. You know, so, you, yeah, so you're saying like the revenue. Like Sorry. a reward. There's still like a reward of the personal satisfaction or, or something like that, which is, is a form of revenue. Would, okay. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Yep. Okay, so maybe I misunderstood you then. So revenue could be any sort of reward then. Oh, you didn't misunderstand me. You're oh. <laughs> absolutely right. I mean, revenue in itself does not apply to someone who doesn't care about it. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, the person on the other end doesn't care if you're trying to sell yourself or sell them the product. If you're giving them something good, they want more of it. 
Uh, so what would those three pillars, can you go into more detail about those three pillars? Yeah, sure. like if anybody's so, listening and they want to boost their blog traffic or things like that, what would you tell them? Okay, so the first pillar, driving traffic. Now maybe I should talk about some misconceptions because, you know, people say driving traffic. Okay, I just got to send people to my blog and everything. I'll be good to go. I'll just work on my blog like crazy. I'll write some awesome content. I'll have guest hosts on that are really cool like Marco. No, but... <laughs> What you really need to do, though, is get off your blog. It's not about your blog. Because think about it. Where are the people that you want to attract? They're not on your blog right now. Mm-hmm. They're on forums. They're listening to podcasts. They're on YouTube. They're on Twitter. They're on other blogs. You have to go to those sites, develop a presence there, share your message there, sell it there, and then pull them back, kicking and screaming to your site. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a really, that's a really, right. really good point. And how would somebody do that? Well, like I said, you got to leave your blog. So many people spend so much time wasting on their blog thinking like content's king. They hear that all the time. What you got to do is you have to answer questions. You got to ask pertinent questions and you have to be a member of the community. You know, you have to join those communities that you want to draw from. If you want to draw people from a forum to your site, you don't go on there and you spam crap. All you do is you put a little signature at the bottom of your of your profile that says, here's my site. And you talk on that forum and you become a member of that forum. I did this for, if you want to go into WoW, I did this for the Warcraft forums before they got rid of signatures. And that was a huge source of traffic because I'd be talking it up, not just about gold, but I talk about related things. And this is where a lot of people fail. They don't talk about related niches to whatever they do. So they wouldn't talk about PVP if they were in the gold block. They didn't understand this. They would only talk about gold and it limits their audience. Because I tell you what, there are people who PVP who are interested in gold, but they don't go to the gold form. You know, so you have to just engage yourself in the community, engage other people, even if it's one-on-one, that's especially valuable. Make those people feel important and bring them back, kicking and screaming right back to your blog. (laughs) So it sounds like you're suggesting that you should do a lot of commenting, like if you're visiting other blogs or even responding to your own comments. Like I know that can be discouraging for some people is when you go to a blog and you have a successful blogger and they can't be bothered to respond to you or something like that. Um, I know comment love could maybe help with that. Like I know I really like that when I leave a comment and they have a some kind of add-on that tells you what my last post was. I think that's really cool. So you're suggesting things like that maybe? That is the thing that everyone mentions to me. They always say oh, commenting on blogs. There's nothing wrong with commenting on blogs. To be honest with you, it's one of the best ways to get out there because it's just so easy to do. Mm-hmm. But it is much harder to engage someone on things such as Twitter or forums. You know, that is much more one-on-one communication. Whereas commenting, it's kind of limited. Not everyone who reads the post reads the comment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not as broad. It's not as open. I recommend comments. Um, especially if you're engaging the author on what they said. It's a great way to engage the author and then you can indirectly engage their audience. But I would suggest doing that less than some of the other ways you can drive traffic. Okay, like what? I would definitely say get on Twitter. Engage mm. people one-on-one. Uh, and a lot of people don't follow, right? You know, They just kind of follow random people or they follow the big guys. They don't engage the random person in conversation or they don't follow the people that other people follow. You know, if I get a retweet from someone and it's something interesting, bam, I follow that person. Mm-hmm. You know, instantly I follow that person. And some people, like, they don't follow that many people. They kind of keep it as a close-knit group. That's not smart. You want to follow as many people as you can 
You want to engage as many people as you can. Like I said, you want to ask questions, you want to answer questions, and you want to get one-on-one with people. And if they yeah. like you, if you have a good message, they're going to check you out. That's the same thing with protected tweets. Like I, I was told, like I was very new to Twitter. I've only been on Twitter a little over a year, and Twitter did turn my blog completely around. And I wasn't really sure, and I'm still learning how to play the Twitter game, but I know one thing I was told to absolutely not do <laughs> is lock your tweets because not only can you know the average person not see you, but I guess it's harder to retweet you as well. Um, so I was always under the impression that that was bad news and we should never do that. Well, oh, uh, and, and you did ask a good question. You asked, like, what else can you do? And I didn't give you a good answer. The two best ways that I get traffic, number one is guest posting because you are lent the authority of the blogger you post for. And you can do guest podcasting. It's huge. I love doing it. Um, <laughs> I guess this kind of is. <laughs> even though I don't exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think going back to the Twitter thing, it's like I see people that do that all the time. Like I love when people, and I know Ophelia and I are very, we always stress that we love getting feedback. We love the people, when people email us, we love getting comments. And people bring that up all the time. They may have, you know, 700 followers, but nobody talks to them. And I love when people send me messages, even if it's just, you know, how was dinner? I, I, I enjoy people more who follow me and talk to me, even if we don't have anything in common. Like if they're warlocks and I play a priest, I, I respect people who do that so much more. And I enjoy that so much more and I, I don't really understand the lurking um, and even with views you know you may have a post that generates a lot of traffic but you only get two comments and that's so discouraging to me like I wish people would say you know a lot more than they do and I know that's something I've struggled with and maybe not even struggled with but I've never I've never understood the connection between that like I've always assumed if you have one of one thing that it would naturally lead to more of another and it doesn't always play out like that no definitely not and, and the key to it you said it yourself. You really love it when people are emailing you and, and asking you what you think and whatnot. People are the same way. If you stick your neck out and ask them how they're doing, ask them what they're thinking. I like to put it in my autoresponder after like a week. I say, hey, what do you guys think so far? What are your suggestions? How are you guys doing? How are you dealing with the stuff I offer you? That goes a long way. People love to talk about themselves. They are their own favorite topic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so you can turn that around um, and ask them things. The second traffic thing, though, is uh, articles and article marketing. And although it took a big hit, you can still go to very popular sites such as Easing Articles uh, and get get articles out there. And if they're timely and they're newsworthy, they will get a lot of hits and get far better Google rankings than your initial sites will. I actually I put out a 19-page book on that. You can totally get for free at my site as well. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by articles and that that site that you mentioned are they like those um, sites that link that link to lots of different posts or is that what you mean okay so an article let's take these on articles okay they're huge they're the most popular one Uh, they have really good ranking for a lot of stuff that i love what you do is you submit an article to them they review it the professional team it takes them usually 48 hours two business days they get back to you they say whether it passes um, their screening or not. You can't just like copy crap in here. It has to be a real original article and it can't sell anything. At the bottom of your article, you get a resource box which links back to your site or wherever you want to send people. They post it on their site. Okay. And when you go, when you Google search or whatever, you may find this article. They have AdSense all over the page. You'll see these sites. You'll, about.com does this. It has AdSense everywhere. They're, they're an article marketing site as well. Uh, and basically, people see your article. They might click the ads or whatever, so that company makes money. But they'll go to your resource box, and if you do a good job selling yourself, selling what you're about, 
what what message you have, go click on your site and they'll go to your site. I'm still not like I'm not trying to sound dense, but I, I'm still not understanding what you mean. So if we could dumb it down a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, this um, is something that's fairly new. I've been blogging for a while, and this is the yeah. first time I hear about it. But I don't think it's something that we redo a whole lot in the WoW community. So I think it's really interesting. Yeah. No, so you guys really don't. You know who does it in the WoW community? Gold Guide sellers. It's part of the reason why I found out about it. Is this something that you feel somebody who isn't into gold could do too? Like let's say Ophelia and I get done talking to you and let's say we have a conversation and we're like, we want to do what Marco said. What would we do? Like literally walk us through it. What would we do? Well, you download my free book. Though. I'm only half <laughs> um, No, honestly, it's a 19-page book and it goes into way more detail than I can in here. But what you do is you submit an article, okay? And an article is a blog post. Think of it that way. It's a blog so post. Let's, so let's say Ophelia wanted to write about her mastery, and she was like, this is my version of mastery. She would do that. She would send in that article. Yes, and hopefully you have something on your site that talks about it, too, that you can link to. And if your article box at the bottom, it's basically like your signature, has a link to that site, you're going to get the page ranking from this very popular article site linking to your blog, linking to that article on your blog, maybe, or the blog homepage. I, I recommend linking to individual articles. But okay, so, it's just a way to draw traffic from a more established site than what you're currently working with. Okay, so what is an article site? Because you've mentioned that a couple of times. What's what's a suggested article site for somebody like us or somebody who's listening? Buzzle.com, easyinarticles.com, howto.com is a little shaky right now. Uh, they had this really cool setup where you could actually make some of the AdSense earnings uh, on your articles, but now it's kind of they kind of going through a revamp. Not not highly recommended. But those was are that, three really good ones. Was that Vuzzle with a V? Oh, I'm sorry, Buzzle, like a like a like a buzz on a V. Oh, okay, Buzzle B U Z Z L E. Mm-hmm. Do they okay. do you have those links in your book? I'll I'll just link your book and it'll be easier. Oh, totally. Well, well your you website, is, which will have a link to the book. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. looking yeah, at it right now. Yeah, we'll um, put it that we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'm actually looking at it right now, and they literally have everything. Like, there's a section on the side that has, for example, they have child behavior, marsupials, jewelry making, baby girls. There's literally something for everybody here. So you could do exactly what he's saying, and there'd probably be some room for you on this site. I'm looking at it now, right now. Of that being said, a lot of people write for these sites. Mm-hmm. So I do not recommend writing for these sites unless you have some kind of timeliness what you're writing about mm-hmm. you can still write an article that's kind of old maybe it's an old like how to tie your shoes you know there's 500,000 articles on how to tie your shoes you don't want to do that but if you have something timely like hey next patch this is coming out you definitely want to put that on an article site because it's going to have a higher page rank than what you have a lot of these page ranks are like easy article I think is eight mm-hmm. you know that's very very high Oh, but at the same time, we've also mentioned that not many WoW bloggers are doing this, so it could be, I mean, while you wouldn't normally do something like that, it could be something to break into, where even if you did decide to do that, you would still be a minority and you would still get attention. At least I would think it would go that way. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get 100,000 pages from these things, yeah. <laughs> not likely. But some people, you know, a couple dozen, a couple hundred, the farming articles that I've done are in the 20,000s, uh-huh. you know, like, how to farm volatile life, how to farm volatile water, that kind of stuff from past um, past articles has just been phenomenal. I, mean, I think in the ad where I'm like, become a subscriber, I'm like, this sent me 48,000 views in a month. Now, that's not fibbing. That's totally true. <laughs> like, it's insane what it can do for you. 
Right. So it's I mean, one thing I've also learned too from my blogging experience is it's not necessarily all about the page views. Like I know when I first started, it was oh my god, I got 500 views today. But you know, I I when I first discovered Google Analytics and things like that, it was you know you also want to look at how long people are staying on your site. You know, are they viewing you but then leaving immediately, or if they're commenting, or if there's there's also the issue of subscribers and things of that nature. And to me, I try really hard not to look at the numbers too much because I feel like that affects the quality of your work. If you get too wrapped up in that, um, is that something that you would agree with, Marco? You're totally correct. I used to be like addicted to looking, not like, I was addicted to looking at my page views. Kind of like my gold. I wanted to see how much was coming in. <laughs> but yeah, you, you get addicted to this and you're losing sight of the big picture. Like you said, there's way more to it than just sheer number of hits. What, what about conversions? You know, what about how long they're staying on your site or whether they're leaving after the first page? Um, I'm doing something on my blog right now that kind of ties into this. It's it's a, it's a 30 day thing I'm doing, 30 day series of posts, and it's meant to educate you, but also double your page views and double your money on your blog. And it's called like 30 days to do that. So that's definitely something. If you guys are grabbing this book and you're getting all into this, stick with me these next 30 days and check the check those out because they're definitely going to answer a lot of your questions. A lot of things you've been saying and wondering about, they're all in there. You know, I'm trying my best to make it all very open and free. And, and again, that's money in a general sense. Like it could be any form of revenue, not just cold hard cash. Yeah, yeah, okay. and it's not made to be for um, just a select group of people. I it's, this is the same uh, model I wrote about on a pro blogger. Pro pro. Blah, sorry, it's late at night. <laughs> Problogger.com article where I talked about how the first month that I had my wild blog, I actually made eight hundred dollars because mm-hmm. I had this. I know it, it was not on purpose, you know, it just happened. <laughs> and, and after I, after I did it, I analyzed it like crazy, you know, I want to do that every month, you know. Uh, now, now I don't even, I wouldn't even think twice about that number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tend to be really guilty of that too. Like I know the first day that I write a new post and a total confession time here, I am prone to hitting refresh <laughs> and just seeing the views and things like that. And it's gotten to the point lately where it's become very intimidating and I don't normally discuss my numbers or anything like that, but it's gotten to the point where I almost feel scared to write new posts because you have that really big post that does so well and crosses so many genres and hits a lot of people, you know, very much and then you're kind of like, okay, great, how do I follow up with that? And um, it, it does tend to get very weird after a certain point. Like you you start off, you know, not really caring about the page views, and then eventually you do. And you try not to, but you can't help it after a certain point. And sometimes you have to kind of take it back a notch and say it's really great that I have all of these views, but it can kind of create its own problems where you feel like you're not doing it for yourself anymore. Or you do feel, you know, like the criticism really starts to hit you and you do you just it it's just causes problems, at least that I've found. I think you're totally right. And I think the times when you've seen the most success is when you haven't wasted time looking at your numbers. There, There is a right time to look at your numbers and say, I have to make changes, and it's not daily. You can mm-hmm. do it weekly, you know? Right. And I know that's something I've struggled with, and I'm pretty sure other people have too. Um, so it sounds like you may have some solutions to those problems. I'm trying my best here. I really am. <laughs> A lot of it is looking back at what I've already done and saying, okay, how the hell did I do that? You know, mm-hmm. what made that day a grand or whatever? What made that day so successful? You know, I gotta re, I gotta redo that. I have to analyze the crap out of it. I look at my analytics. I look at what I did that day, you know, or weeks leading up to it. That kind of stuff. It's not, um, it's not set in stone. I've really found that the key here is to not say to people, do this, do that. 
is to say, think like this. Think uh-huh. like that. That's far more important. Same goes for goal. Right. And like I said, we discussed throughout the podcast, not everybody can look at it that way. You know, like some people just don't have an eye or an ear for how the AH game is played. And same thing with blogging. You know, some people really look at their blog in a very casual sense and they're not really. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there are people who literally just like to post a haiku or, you know, post a couple screenshots, you know, so they really don't have that eye for the business of it, of the advertising and the guest posting and the moderating the comments. And then there are other people where that is their business. Um, You know, they do look at their blog very seriously. And they do, you know, keep an image about themselves so as to not affect the blog and things like that. And it's just something where, if no, you... although even if you're very casual, you can still have goals for your blog. I mean, I I talk a lot with bloggers, and you know, a lot of new bloggers on Twitter saying, you know, how do I get comments? How do I get more hits? How do how do I make friends? So I think even if you're really casual, you can still take something. You'll pick and choose what you want so that you can get to your goals. Oh, yeah, and I'm, I'm certainly certainly not indicating that you can't be a casual blogger and not want those things, but not everybody can see them, like you said. I'm not happy with the fact that I'm poor and wow, but but I admit that I don't have the vision that Marco does. Like a lot of things he But that's why we have Marco on the podcast. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think it's just something I think a lot of people, but then again, there are some people who, you know, don't mind being poor in the game. They're very happy with that. Or there are some people who are very happy with their, you know, their 50 followers or their 50 page views. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But, you know, it's just, I was just saying that not everybody has an eye for those kind of things and not everybody wants to um there are some people that love posting once a month or you know love the fact that they have 75 gold to their name you know it's something you really have to have an eye for here's here's a tip for you you ever get up on a saturday morning i get up on saturday afternoons typically ah (laughs) saturday morning is the best time to buy materials for all your professions and it's based on the cycles that people are doing uh, as the weekend comes, they're all dumping their items Thursday night, you know, maybe into Friday. But then comes Saturday, there's a real surplus without any buyers because no one's playing. Mm-hmm. And Saturday morning is like amazing. I used to call it Sar- Saturday Saturdays because I'd be buying <laughs> thousands of Saturday in the morning. So yeah, I, I just it just came to me. I forgot to mention it. I actually had a note here if you were a blacksmith to tell you that. So hopefully she'll put a post-it note on her computer screen, Sarah Night Saturdays. Well, actually, I remember when Sarah Night was the, or the buy, and I'd actually buy the bars, and then I'd vendor them, because you could buy them for, like, you know, 10 gold a stack, and then sell them for 25 to the vendor. Seriously? Yeah. Jesus, why am I an herbalist? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's great. Yes. So is there anything else that we, well, first, I mean, is there anything else we want to bring up or that we want to talk about? I don't think so. I'm an open book, whatever you guys want to discuss. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we have anything else. Um, So, uh, Marco, if people do like what they hear here and they do want to find you, I know you've plugged a couple of your things, but where can they really find you? Like, do you have a hub or do you have a major space they can find you? Okay, so we'll go by topic. Okay. <laughs> I have my hands in so many things. I confuse You're me. like the J-Lo of blogging. It's crazy. <laughs> Minus the husbands. I, I call my I say that I have productive ADD. <laughs> uh, just, if you're into WOW, justwaytocopper.org. And you can always Google this crap. Um, if you're into blogging, thetrafficblogger.com. If you're into Diablo, I'm starting a theory blog that's going to become a podcast and other things for making money. That is Diablo3GoldGuide.net. Okay. And you are on Twitter as well? Oldberg1. 
and that's fold with an F. You got it. It was okay. a nickname in college for folding cards. Oh. <laughs> See, I was I was expecting people like I you know when I first I was like, why isn't it Goldberg? But then I guess that was too obvious to me. Like I just <laughs> I expected you to just be dripping in gold, you know? You're very close because I was a I was a hockey goalie, and so they took the mix of Goldberg from the hockey movies and the fact that I folded a lot playing cards, and it said Goldberg. Okay, so I wasn't too far off then. You you had half of it. Okay, <laughs> so there's hope for me yet, Marco. That's that's what I'm gl- I'm glad to hear that. So, um, okay. <laughs> Um, well, I do want to thank you for being on the show and for, um, I do apologize for the delay, um, for those listening, I did sleep in a little bit, so I do apologize for that, but I'm really glad that you did stick with us. What was that? Your voice was beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. We really appreciate that. Um, And we do also want to stress, too, that we do love it when people leave feedback. We love that you feel free to check us out on iTunes. Feel free to subscribe to us. It is free. Um, You can get all of our episodes on there anytime you would like. Leave a review. Um, Please leave a comment on our show if you liked it. If you didn't like it, you can email Ophelia and I, but we'd love to hear from you. Um, So please do that as well. Um, The next show, we've got a couple ideas in mind. I know we were joking around with the lead sauce guys (laughs) about doing a joint podcast. I didn't think they would be serious. I sure as hell didn't think you'd be serious, but um, I think I didn't think you'd be game for it. I don't know why. I've been on their show. Yeah, I'm I'm always begging them to have me on their show. I think a a double O lead sauce episode would be awesome. We could finally have that party episode we've been talking about. (laughs) Be prepared to drink. I went on with those guys, and they require that you drink. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been on the show twice. I was actually on their very first episode. <laughs> they, they used to be guildies of mine. Yeah, and I've had a, a loving affiliation with them. Like, I tend to like Logan more than Vic. I get a lot of crap for it. I don't not like Vic, but I definitely have a thing for the Loganowitz. So I think it'd be fun. We've tossed around that idea. We've also tossed around the idea of maybe having a family-themed show, um, talking about what it's like to raid with your spouse, raid with your children, raid while having children, things like that. Um, oh, God. Going into labor mid-raid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've discussed that. We've discussed maybe having a couple people on the show, a two or three, and then having them talk about about their experiences being parents and spouses as raiders. So we've got a couple things in mind. I, I think we're back to our regular schedule. So definitely keep checking out our future episodes. Um, and if there's nothing else, I think that's it. Yeah. Hey, if you go on with Lead Sauce Podcast, make fun of their little friend who does all the background stuff that never talks. Haya? I don't I don't remember his name, but I was yeah. saying that Hiya, he was yeah. like this imaginary friend. <laughs> okay, I'm going to write this down because I, I, knowing us in two weeks, we're going to be there and I don't want to be caught with my pants down. Well, yeah, I, I said something stupid like, what do you carry around in your pocket or something? And he just comes out for the podcast. But I <laughs> bust on him. Well, he's actually a very, very tiny person, so he, he might actually fit. Are we talking like the pygmies in Old Doom or? No, not that small. Okay, okay, because that would be great. I mean, that, that's just me. But <laughs> so he's got a body for radio. He's going to tell me. <laughs> Hey, what is that? Hey, I got a face for radio. You've seen my Twitter. I swear. (laughs) We've actually been talking about in whispers that (laughs) our guest, he's really cute. Oh, oh, oh my. (laughs) I swear I was not going to bring up the fact that you were cute on the podcast. But yeah, I I was totally going to. Yeah. And I remember when we pitched it that you were coming on, we always like to do a little research. And I was like, okay, so I'm reading your blog and listening. And And I was like, oh, he's got a Twitter. Oh, like he's cute, awfully, oh, and and we, uh, it's good to be queen sometimes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I stop, I, stop it. 
And then I was checking out your traffic blogger sites <laughs> and I was looking at the YouTube videos. And like I said, I wasn't expecting you to be so, uh, you know, so effervescent. And I was just I'm like, oh, my God, good teeth. Like, oh, oh, OK. And yeah, so we were very happy to have you. <laughs> OK, well, we're officially I'm embarrassed. Now, you guys have been an absolute blast. I had so much fun talking to you guys. I, I think <laughs> your program's great. Great. Well, we've had a lot of fun with you, too. And um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. So if there's nothing else, uh, thanks for listening, and have a good one. See ya. Bond. James Bond.